The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. We began this journey at the beginning of September uh, as we launched our new ministry year and our theme for this next year, which is Grow. Um, And we've been really focusing on growing spiritually, creating more capacity in our hearts for more of God. Uh, We've been focusing on growing in our vision and our understanding of who God is and who we are in Christ. Uh, We've talked a lot about growing as people, maturing in our faith. We've talked about growing in influence and impact, uh, really understanding our purpose and our mission and what God wants to do in and through our lives. Um, So we've been kind of on this journey. And and last week, Dash, my wife, spoke on decluttering our lives. one way to make space is to actually declutter, get rid of junk and, and, and stuff that just gets in the way. Um, and that's kind of how we want to be thinking over these next two months as we begin this new series. It's called Spring Cleaning. Uh, it's spring and we're, we're going to be engaging with this idea of looking at stuff that just gets in the way of what God wants to do in our life. And a good visual picture for you, if you like, is um, a little while ago, I went down to Parramatta River, and I was walking along the river. And now Parramatta River, we all know, is not the cleanest river in Sydney, or in the world, probably. Uh, no, actually, probably compared to a lot of the rivers in the world, it's one of the cleanest. Um, and nevertheless, it was a, a time after there'd been a lot of rain, and the, and the water levels had been quite high. And you kind of walked down uh, near one of the bridges, and there are these kind of, I don't know what you call them, these conduits where the water flows down from one level to another. And there were these grates that were across there. And there was all this stuff that just had collected from the rain and the wash that's just kind of backed up. And it was just restricting the flow of the river because of all the junk and the clutter that was there. And sometimes our, our lives can kind of get that way where stuff just collects and, and gathers in our hearts and in our minds and in our spiritual parts and just stops the river of God's life and vitality and, and joy flowing through. And so this series is really about dealing with some of that stuff. And so um, our sermons are going to be a little bit different. Our Sundays are going to look a little bit different. Um, we're going to try very hard. I'm going to try very hard because I'm going to do in the bulk of these to speak for less and to have more time um, at the end to just be still um, and be reflecting on, on, on what we've heard and allowing the Holy Spirit time and opportunity to do His work. As we've been praying and thinking about this series, we realize that words alone are not going to do this. As, as eloquent as we might be, as skilled as we might be as preachers, we need the Holy Spirit to begin to speak into our heart. And so we want to give more time for that. Now, this is not about spiritual hypochondria. Right? I just want to say, we've been talking about kind of heart surgery, and we're talking about examining our hearts. We've used the, the metaphors of getting a heart check and spiritual kind of cleansing. I don't want you to kind of go be paranoid and kind of go looking for things that are just not there. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is just bringing our hearts before God and saying, God, is there stuff here? that I need to deal with. Holy Spirit, will you show me the things that I need to address and I need to deal with? I don't want to just be a spiritual hypochondriac and look for things, but if there's stuff there, will you show me? That's, that's what we want to do. And so our connect groups are going to be a little bit different as well. They're part of connect group. Again, we want to give more time because see, James chapter 5, James tells us that confession plays a really, really key part in spiritual renewal. Powerful role. 
And so we want to have more time in connect groups to actually do that. If God raises things for us on a Sunday, and can I just say this, I encourage you, bring a journal or or a notepad with you on Sundays. Um, Or if you want to use an app on your phone to kind of write down some thoughts, do that, but turn your notifications off. Or put it on air, air, airplane mode so you're not getting dinged all the time. That distracts you. Because we really want that time to be a moment for you to be listening to the Holy Spirit. And writing things down so you don't forget the things that the Holy Spirit prompts you about. And to then confess them at Connect Group and talk honestly and, and transparently one to another. And receive prayer from each other. That's what James tells us to do. Now if you're not part of a Connect Group uh, because you're relatively new to our church. Or, or you're just visiting even for today. I encourage you. If God raises things for you, find someone that you can confess it to, uh, whether it's a trusted friend, uh, one of our eldership team, um, somebody that you can trust to actually say, hey, I was at church today and you know, God really showed me this or prompted me to, to address this and I want to confess this to you. Um, that's a really important part of the process. And so our connect groups are going to have that time and that opportunity to do that uh, next Friday at our combined prayer and worship now, we're going to have opportunity for that as well, confession and prayer and ministry, uh, because we recognize that this is a spiritual journey that we've begun. It's going to be a, a profound and powerful journey if we bring our whole heart to it. And so that's kind of a, a little bit of how this is going to go. So today I'm just kind of launching this series and, and just some introductory thoughts um, for us to be thinking about because some of this stuff is in the out there category. You know, I'm just going to be straight up and kind of put that out there. Um, and so I guess two extremes for us to try and avoid and navigate our way between. On the one extreme is this idea that nothing in our lives is demonic or nothing in our lives is spiritual. Um, uh, it might be coming from a mindset of Western rationalism where the whole idea of spiritual stuff, we just kind of think, oh, that's just, you know, spooky and, you know, that's just supernatural, hocus pocus, you know, it's kind of all out there. And, And we don't kind of really see that our lives are affected by any spiritual realities. That's one extreme, to see nothing in our lives as spiritual. And so we resort to just natural thinking and finding natural solutions and trying to fix things in our own strength, in our own ability. And we find that no matter what we do and how much we struggle and how much we try and do stuff, nothing seems to change. And I want to suggest to you, maybe there's more going on. Maybe. On the other extreme, I think I got these wrong. Sorry, Russell. On the other extreme uh, are those who think everything is spiritual. Everything is demonic. We blame Satan for everything. And, and many of us come from cultures where this is a reality. Uh, we, we're familiar with the occult. We're, we're familiar with curses and witchcraft. And we've seen demonic things you know, right up close and personal, maybe even in our own lives or in the lives of other people. We've had nightmares where we've felt physically certain spiritual things jumping on us and all kinds of stuff. And as I'm saying that, some of you are going, whoa, that's really trippy. And, and, and the danger is that you can see your whole life is being kind of influenced by demonic things. And everything is the devil's fault. And everything is demonic. And so you never take any personal responsibility. You, you never stop to think about your own disobedience or your own sin. You just blame the devil and demons for everything. And sometimes you lose a job because you're just lazy. And it's not a demon and sometimes you're sick because your body is broken and you need to go to the doctor. And, and we kind of just, we, we need to kind of navigate our way between that and go, hang on. Yeah, sometimes things are just 
living in a broken world. Sometimes things are because of my sin or the sin of somebody else and the consequences of my own negligence or my poor lack of judgment or my poor planning or whatever it might be. But maybe there are some spiritual things going on as well. That's kind of where I want to try and navigate because that's the worldview of the Bible. The, the Bible walks that middle line where it recognizes that some stuff that happens in our lives is because we live in a fallen, broken world and it's just bad. And other stuff happens because we sin and we disobey and we rebel against God. And when we do that, we experience the consequences of that. And sometimes it is God's judgment on us. And sometimes it is spiritual and demonic and satanic and evil. And there's something that is in our lives that's not of God at all. And so the biblical worldview is a lot more complex it's a lot more integrated. It's a lot more holistic. So the, the, the Old Testament, particularly for a Jewish mind, to say all of those things are true at the same time is not a problem at all. It's a lot more integrated, a lot more interconnected, where we realize that what happens in my mind affects my body and my spirit and my emotions, and what happens in my body affects you know, every other part of me. 1 Corinthians 6 is a great example where Paul's talking about sexual sin, and he says when you do that, something happens inside of you. It's not just a physical thing. And sometimes what happens in our spirit affects every part of us. Our conversion is a great example of that. When we come to Christ and we're born again, something begins in our spirit, but it affects every part of us. Our mind, our body, our emotions, our will is affected by that one reality that happens in our spirit. That is the biblical worldview. Here's some specific examples for you. In Acts chapter 10, where Luke is uh, recounting a sermon that was preached, um, and where I think it's Peter that's talking about the work of Christ, he says this. He says, Jesus went around uh, with the Holy Spirit and power. Now he went around, listen to this, doing good and healing, healing all who are under the power of the devil. He's healing people who were somehow oppressed by the devil. Here's another interesting example, Luke chapter 4. In this instance, Jesus rebukes a fever. That's fascinating. So he bent over and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up and at once began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus. Now listen to this, all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Something different is going on there. Moreover, uh, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them. So Jesus is rebuking demons, he's healing sickness, and then he rebukes a fever. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Luke chapter 13 is another really interesting example. Uh, This story might be familiar for you. A woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit. Crippled by a spirit for 18 years. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to a woman, you are set free from your infirmity. What an interesting choice of words. You are set free. You are released. You are freed from your sickness, from your infirmity. And then he says when people kind of are questioning Jesus' healing on the Sabbath, he says, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 years, shouldn't she be set free? He's talking about her crippled back as being something that was binding her, a bondage that came from Satan. Very interesting. But that should not surprise us because when we go to the Bible, uh, particularly in Ephesians 6, there's this whole passage where Paul says, you know what, we don't just wrestle with flesh and blood. 
We wrestle with spiritual powers, spiritual principalities, uh, powerful spiritual agents of evil. We, that's who we wrestle against. And he calls on us to be clothed in Christ, clothed in the armor that God's given us, and to take our stand against the enemy in the day of evil. That's spiritual warfare language. And we might be familiar with that concept of having this engagement with spiritual forces of darkness, spiritual warfare. Now, I want to take you to uh, one particular passage in Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul says something very interesting, hopefully to kind of connect some of this stuff for us. In Ephesians 4 verses, we're going to start reading in verse 25. This is what Paul says. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Now, now, keep in mind the things that Paul is talking about here. He's talking about um, dealing with our Christian living. This is the section Paul is talking about, our, our moral living, our ethical living, our obedience to Christ. And so he's dealing with specific areas of obedience. Put away um, falsehood, speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin, verse 26. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Verse 27 is the key verse I want to focus on. He says, and do not give the devil a foothold. A foothold. Now that word is, is an interesting word. It's the word that means a place or an opportunity or territory or space to operate or to be active. What an interesting word. And in the context, Paul seems to be suggesting that when we don't do the things that he's instructing us to do, when we continue to live in disobedience and sin, we can give room for the devil to move in our lives. We, we can give him space to, to step into our lives in, in, in different ways. Even as Christian people, we can, we can give the devil a foothold. And so my message this morning is, is that, just foothold. I want you to be thinking about this idea of giving Satan space, giving him room, giving him opportunity to operate in your life. See, sometimes spiritual attack, sometimes spiritual forces. I mean, we know the Bible tells us that the, spirit, the devil is our adversary, the Bible calls him. And he tempts us and harasses us and intimidates and threatens and tempts and, and comes against us in so many different ways. And sometimes that can be external to us. For instance, like Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus was there. He was there to seek God. And the devil comes against Jesus. But at other times, it can be internal and it can be invited. Uh, a good example of that is in 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul's talking about the thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan. He says, you know, I wonder if this was given to me. Why? Because of pride in my heart. And I wonder if, you know, this is part of the struggle for me to wrestle against this because of something in my heart that God is wanting to deal with. Weird stuff, right? But that, that idea that somehow we can invite things and allow things into our life that can bring us into bondage. Look, can I just say, sometimes depression is just physical. And it needs medication or it needs counseling. Sometimes depression is more than that. Sickness sometimes can be just sickness. A financial issue can be just bad budgeting. A marriage problem can just be a lack of communication. You can go through every one of these things that we would face, but if there's an ongoing problem that persists and persists and persists, no matter what you do, maybe there's something more going on. 
Maybe there's a foothold, an opening in your life that is allowing the enemy to operate in a way that he's not supposed to be. That's what we want to be thinking about. Um, C.S. Lewis painted a vivid picture and he talked about having rats in our cellar. I don't know if you've ever come across that in, in your reading of C.S. Lewis. And he makes this point that, you know, our hearts are like that. You know, sometimes we react to something or someone that really irritates us. And we're surprised that we reacted that way. And we think, whoa, where did that come from? Maybe I didn't mean to say that. You go, no, 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 it was there in your heart all along. Just the opportunity presented itself to show you what was really going on in your heart. It's like when you go down to your cellar and you suddenly turn the light on and you see the rats. The rats have always been in there but just you going in there suddenly is what helped you see them and so I want to suggest to you that maybe there are rats that we've allowed into our heart and the problem is that we spend so much of our time trying to get rid of the rats because most of us kind of know that they're there don't I mean because they leave droppings So even in your house, you kind of know, before you ever see a rat or a mouse, you know that they're there because you see the evidence of them scattered in different places. And we try and kind of, we clean up the mess and we kind of start, oh, I better get some rat traps. And we put the traps out, we get some, you know, rat sack and poison and we put out, and we kind of deal with the, the rat issue. But then you know what? And I've had this problem because we've got a guinea pig, you know, we, we've had rats, we see the, the diggings in the ground and, and we kind of do all this stuff and we, we get rid of one rat and then a little while goes and they, they, they're back again. They're just unrelenting. They just keep coming and coming and coming. And no matter what you do, you can't seem to get rid of them. You know the problem? There's two issues. One is there's an opening somewhere where they're just getting in. And no matter how many rats you kill, no matter how many rat, how much rat sack you put out and how many traps you put out, if the opening is still there, they're going to keep coming in. You know the second problem that we realized? If there's a food source, they'll keep coming. If there's something for them to feed on and eat and consume, they'll keep coming. It's not till you block up the holes and you get rid of all the junk that you can deal with the rat problem in your life. And so that's what we're kind of heading down these next eight weeks, kind of trying to look at some of the openings, openings that in our lives have allowed rats to come into our hearts. We want to be thinking about, God, what is it if I'm struggling with? What is it that I'm really bound by? What is it that... You know, just, I I can't seem to shake off my life. It might be a mental thing, a financial thing, a relational thing, a spiritual thing, a physical thing, whatever it might be. God, what's going on here? Is there more going on in my life that I'm not aware of? God, will you show me? Will you, Holy Spirit, will you just open my eyes and open my heart to see where the holes are that I can just plug up some of this stuff? I see, I want to suggest to you that no matter what you discover in this process. And I want to suggest to you also that some of this stuff might be really difficult and really painful. There might be stuff there that you've buried for so long that you've actually forgotten about. And by God's grace, He's allowed you to forget about it. But right now maybe is the moment where He's saying, okay, it's time to grow now. I think you're ready for this. It's time to peel back and expose some of the things that have been there all along that I want to deal with in your life right now. You know, when I went through uh, this process myself, you know, I, again, I, I didn't kind of go in here thinking, okay, I know what all the issues are, you know, I, I know what I'm going to kind of bring to light. And I, no, I had no idea. So I just embraced it and said, God, I, I don't know what it is that you want to do, you know, whatever you want to do, I, I want it. I want more of you because I want what's on the other side of this process. 
And, th- and that's what I want you to hold on to. Because no matter how hard it gets, that you, you, you're embracing it because of what's on the other side. And what's on the other side is more of Him, more of the Father's love, more room in your heart, more space for the river of God to be flowing, the life of Jesus to be flowing more and more unhindered and unblocked in your heart and in your life, for you to be more free, to you to, for you to be more released, to be all that God wants you to be. That's worth pursuing. And so when I went through this process, and, and uh, I was on this journey, God began to show me something that happened as a teenager. You know, that something that my mom said to me, that she didn't even realize what she was saying, but those words had such a profound impact on me that they kind of lodged in my heart and had affected so many things that came out of that that I had no idea about until I sat like you will be sitting and saying, Holy Spirit, show me the stuff that's limiting me and hindering me from being all that you want me to be. And uh, I remember vividly when I was in this process, seeing suddenly how everything made so much sense now. And I remember you know, when I was at Bible college, I, 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 was, I was intense. I just want to say to you, I was just a bit out there, intense. You know, I, I, I was studious and I was driven and I worked hard and, you know, I was pursuing great results. And we, we had this area at SNBC called the Breezeway and that's where they posted all your results. And so, and everybody was waiting to see what the results were. And I used to go down and, and when the results came out, I'd check the results and there, you know, I'd have on my results, you know, either it would be a D or an HD. And I remember so many times walking away discouraged do you know why because my name wasn't at the top of the list and I kind of when I had this moment I kind of went God what is that about what is that about that's insane there's something very wrong about that and God began to show me that some of that stuff stems all the way back to something that my mom said when I brought home a report card and from that moment on something in me went, you know what, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be number one. And anything less is not going to be good enough. That was hard. That was difficult. But when I saw it, it just all made sense. And God was like, it's time to let go of that thing. And I I would love to say, you know what, problem fixed. I'm free. But that moment had a profound impact and it did change so much for me. And yeah, I still wrestle with it from time to time, but now I know what it is I'm wrestling with. And I'm able to keep bringing that before God and asking Him to work in my heart. And I want to say to you what I, you know, somebody said to me that no matter what that is that you find that God shows you, no matter how bad you think that is, God's grace is sufficient and His power is sufficient. You know, in Colossians chapter 2, we're reminded that Jesus disarmed every principality and power of the cross. There is nothing you need to dread. There is no bondage that's too hard. There is no sin that's too great. There's no uh, hurt or issue that God can't heal and deal with in your life. None. So embrace it as much as your heart is able to. Because on the other side is a loving father who stands there ready to receive you and give you all of himself and and fill you to the full. And so before we come to our time of just sitting, one, one last thought. 
The story of blind Bartimaeus always strikes me uh, as so significant. Here's this guy. He's a blind beggar, and he's sitting there, and Jesus is walking past. And I want to use that idea to say to you that Jesus is here like that, walking past, but not in a way that he's leaving you and going to abandon you, but he's walking through here, wanting you to encounter him. And that man was so desperate that he was willing to call out to Jesus and call out to Jesus and call out to Jesus until Jesus stopped and said, call him, call him. See, the crowds, they tried to keep Bartimaeus back and they were trying to kind of say, look, no, 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 no he's not interested in you. Stay still. But Bartimaeus cried out all the more. And he didn't let the crowd stand in the way of him coming to Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus asks one of the most bizarre questions in all of the Gospels. What do you want me to do for you? And I'm sure Bartimaeus is standing there going, come on, Jesus, I'm a blind man. Seriously? But you see, he could have said anything. He could have said anything. And what he would have responded with would have been an indication of what his perceived need was. You see, but he says, man, I know what my problem is. I'm blind. That's my area of struggle. That's my bondage. That's my one thing that will change my whole life. I'm blind. And Jesus goes, okay, your faith heals you. And so my questions for you this morning is, what are you struggling with? What are you wrestling with? And I'm going to give you a moment to actually sit with that question. What is the area of bondage that most frustrates you? What's your sense of awareness of what your need is, your greatest need? What would that be? And you might say something like, oh, it's to have better quiet times with Jesus. Well, if that's it, awesome. God bless you. But if you say, man, I've been wrestling with this addiction. I've been struggling with this sin. My marriage is falling apart. My finances are shot. And no matter what I do and how much I budget and whatever, I just can't seem to get ahead. Well, it might be something that you think, this is the thing that's been on my back, this monkey on my back that I can't get rid of. So when Jesus comes to you and says, what do you want me to do for you? What will you say? What will you say? Will we just, 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 Jesus, just bless me. I just need some money for my next meal. God, I'd love a new jacket. Bartimaeus could have said any of those things. But he says, Jesus, I want to see what's standing in your way. What's standing in your way of coming to Jesus and being real with him? Because the crowd tried to stop Bartimaeus, but he was so desperate. He's like, man, I'm not going to let anything get in the way today. Today's my day. So why don't you, if you have some paper and a pen, grab it. If you want to use your phone, your notebook on your phone, you can do that. We're going to play some music. I'm going to pray and just going to let you sit with the Holy Spirit. Father, Lord, you desire good things for us. And we come before you. And we ask you to speak into our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't want to go looking for things, but will you show us the things that you want us to see this morning? Our real need, Father. And may we, out of desperation, bring them before Jesus so that we can encounter you and be changed and be free. Show us the openings, Lord, in our lives. Show us, Lord, the areas, Lord, that have brought us bondage and brought us into slavery this morning that we might be free to be the sons and daughters of God you've created us to be. In Jesus' name.